Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. As always, I would like to encourage you to go leave the podcast a rating and or review on whatever platform it is that you listen to the show on. The more ratings and reviews I get, the higher chance my show has for popping up in search algorithms, and I would like for more people to be able to experience the show, listen to the show, and as always, I'm very open to constructive criticism. If I do anything that you guys would like to see less of, more of, stop doing it at all, you know, just whatever, you know, by all means, just shoot me a message on Facebook, which, by the way, go give me a follow on Facebook. The uh, page is the same exact name and profile picture as the podcast here, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. I'm always down to receive messages and respond to messages from my listeners and all of that. So if you have any constructive criticism for me, if you have any suggestions that you want me to do, if you have any requests for movies that you would like for me to do, just shoot me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, also, if you have anything that you would just like to share, with me, I've gotten a few messages of people just showing me pictures of their kids playing with their kaiju toys or, you know, just whatever. In a past episode, I mentioned that I was a Superman fan. I had a, a listener message me talking about how he is also a Superman fan. So if you guys want to send me any type of message whatsoever, by all means, go ahead and do it. I love receiving the messages. I love talking with you guys. So, you know, do whatever it is that you've got to do. Now, this episode is special. It is a Kaiju Carnage Presents. And for those of you that are unaware, what I'm calling Kaiju Carnage Presents is I get to pick a movie from any genre, be it live action, animated, foreign film, American film, you know, just whatever. I'll pick any movie that I want to do. And I will do an episode on it in the same way that I do the kaiju stuff. So that should answer the question for some of you people that don't know what a kaiju carnage presents is. And you just simply saw the title of the movie that I'm going to be doing. And we're probably sitting there going, what the heck is he doing? This is supposed to be a kaiju show. Why is he doing, you know, this movie and all of that? Um, you know, I did a test run last month. With the Netflix series Masters of the Universe Revelation. I just wanted to see how it was going to go. The episode did very, very well. It actually outperformed some of my kaiju episodes. So that pretty much told me, okay, I do have an audience to listen that would listen to other movies that I do besides just kaiju film. I'm still only planning on doing non-kaiju movies only once a month. Do not think that these type of movies are going to take over the kaiju podcast. These type of movies are simply bonus episodes. That's why I record and do them on Wednesdays so that it doesn't disrupt my, my regular schedule and all of that. So if you're not down to listen to any other type of movie and you're really only interested in wanting to listen to the kaiju stuff, more power to you. You can just go on ahead and skip the Kaiju Carnage Present episodes that I do. And, you know, we'll just move right along. <clears throat> now, today's episode that I have chosen 
the movie in question is a film that I absolutely adore. It's, to me, one of the best martial arts films ever made. All of the films in the series that they ended up releasing are some of the best martial arts movies that I've ever seen. I've like I've seen a whole slew of martial arts films. Uh, I've mentioned in past episodes that I am a former martial artist. I say former because I do not practice uh, the arts anymore. Uh, I've have <clears throat> I have experience in karate and kung fu, krav maga, combat hapkido. Taekwondo. I did amateur MMA for a time. I have an uh, an official amateur record of four and zero. So I am a very big martial arts fan. I love watching boxing, kickboxing, uh, UFC fights. You know anything like that? I'm a big fan of martial arts. So a movie like this and the source material that it was based on. It was definitely going to be something that I was going to like at some point in time. And the movie that I'm doing is based on the manga and an anime that I very, very much love. And the film is Rurouni Kenshin. Now, here in the States, it was released under the title of Rurouni Kenshin Part 1 Origins. But in Japan, it was just simply referred to as Rurouni Kenshin. Now, I, I'm a massive fan of Rurouni Kenshin. I've read a chunk of the manga, but my intro to this series was the anime. I am 34 years old, so by the time that this show premiered here in the States on Cartoon Network on Toonami which was on March 17th, 2003. I was, you know, 16, 17, some, somewhere, 15 or 16, somewhere in that area. And I was a, I loved watching Toonami. I loved that their, their lineup that they had. They had things on Mobile Suit Gundam, which I am a massive Mobile Suit Gundam fan. You guys will probably expect to see some Mobile Suit Gundam content in the future at some point. Um... So yeah, Gundam Wing, the original Mobile Suit Gundam, um, the OVAs that they did, you know, 08th MS Team, 0080, 0083, you know, I'm a big Universal Century fan for Mobile Suit Gundam. So I would watch that, I would catch Dragon Ball Z whenever it would come on, believe it or not, I would catch Sailor Moon whenever it would come on, you know, I'm, I'm man enough to admit that I actually liked that show, I don't care what anybody has to say about it. I liked Sailor Moon, and I would catch it from time to time. Um, I can't remember what show was on. It was one of one of the ones that I was a big diehard, you know, fan of that I would watch. And after it was over, I was getting ready to change the channel, and they were talking. They showed an ad for Rurouni Kenshin, and basically said it's about to make its big premiere. And all of that. So I saw the ad. I very much liked what I saw with the ad. So I was like, okay, I'll check this out. The episode, it came on next. And I got to watch the first episode. And I was hooked immediately. Whenever I tell you immediately, I don't mean like, oh, well, 
probably 15 minutes into the episode, I was like, oh yeah, I'll probably give this another shot. No, I mean before they were even done with the intro. Just seeing the animation, seeing the theme, seeing the mood and the setting that it was going to have. Immediately, I was like, this is a show I'm going gonna, I'm going to pay attention to. And based on the intro, you know, it gives you the idea that the show was going to be pretty serious. And that's what I was expecting. And then whenever the show actually starts and the plot comes, whenever uh, Kenshin meets Kaoru and he makes, she accuses him of doing uh, what he was doing, uh, what she accused him of being Batosai the Manslayer, which he is, but she did not know that at the time. The face that he makes and whenever he she goes to attack him and he jumps and he lands on the cart and everything crashes. And I love in Japanese animation whenever they just over-exaggerate facial expressions. Like whenever they're afraid their eyes get real big and or, you know, they're unconscious. They make those swirlies in their eyes that go around and everything. I think stuff like that is hilarious. And so after that... I was like, okay, it's a very serious show, but it's also a show that's got some good comedy and everything. I'm definitely going to check this out. So I have literally been a fan of Rurouni Kenshin since day one of it premiering here in the United States. There's not a lot of much of anything that came from Japan that I can honestly say that I was a fan of day one that it came here in the States. And Rurouni Kenshin is one of those. So, um, Cartoon Network only showed like the first two seasons, quote unquote, of the show. It pretty much ended after the Kyoto arc. And <clears throat> so it was years and years and years before I actually got to see the rest of the show. I bought the entire show on DVD and I did just this massive binge watch and uh, watched it all. Um, you know, how the series ended, I wasn't the biggest fan of. I think the best part of the show was definitely up to the Kyoto arc. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the show. I still very much enjoy it and all that. So, you know, let's uh, jump right to it. I'm going to go on ahead and say I'm going to talk about a little bit about the inspiration of the show and some of the, uh, not really the show, but of the character and of the manga and all of that. There wasn't a whole lot of production information out there on this film. I had to dig for pretty much everything that I got, but you know, I'm going to talk about what I can with you guys and we'll move on from there. So, uh, the show is called Ruroni Kenshin. Ruroni Kenshin is not his name. His name is uh, Kenshin Himura, and he fought in a war. The entire show is pretty much based during the Meiji period of Japan, and he had fought in a war. He was an assassin, and he went by the name of Hirokiri Batosai. Now, that name... Like, a lot of times whenever people hear that name, they probably don't think a whole lot of it. But the name actually means Hirokiri translates to Manslayer. And in the show, he had the nickname of Batosai the Manslayer. Now, Batosai, it's a little bit more difficult to translate. It's not exactly, like, just cut and dry. Like, 
there's a technique that is called Bato Jitsu. And it literally just means the sword drawing technique. And in the show, that is pretty much his technique. Kenshin's technique that he is most well known for. And what he is very feared for. Is just being able to draw his sword from his sheath at, as it's quoted in the show, godlike speed. And so, Hirokiri just means that he is a manslayer. And Batosai is really just a title pretty much saying what his uh, particular sword technique that he uses. So he's the sword drawing technique that, or he's the manslayer that uses sword drawing technique. That's pretty much what Hirokiri Batosai means. Now Hirokiri, you know, as I said, it uh, translates to manslayer. There were actually four warriors in Japan. I'm not going to get to all of their names. I will get to two of them momentarily. But they were actually classified as manslayers in, like, Japanese history. So, he is based on one of them. Like I said, I will get to that momentarily. He is based on one of them. It is a fictional one, but he is based on one of them. Now, for the live-action film, it was announced... June 28th, 2011. And, you know, that's 10 years ago. But in all honesty, this this show was a long time coming. Like, people had been waiting for this for a while. The creator of the show, his name is Nobuhiro Watsuki. And he had discussed doing a live-action film of the series... Not very long after the manga had ended, but whenever they first talked about it, it never really got past even just basic discussion levels, and everything pretty much fell through. And he would bring it up from time to time, like, hey, does anybody, is anyone still interested in this? And he'd pretty much get crickets in return. And so he had pretty much gotten to the point to where he felt that the film was just never going to happen. And then in 2009, roundabout, give or take, someone approached him and said, you know, we would like to do a live action movie for, you know, your show or your manga, Rurouni Kenshin. Now, Nobuhiro was not known for turning down projects. If somebody came up to him, whether it was an anime show, a manga, a live action movie, you know, or whatever kind of role they wanted him to play in it, he very rarely turned something down. As a matter of fact, I don't believe he ever turned anything down. Like, if the, basically, if they're just like, hey, would you like to write the script for this? Or would you like to give me some storyboards on this particular story or something? He was down. He would do it. So in 2009, whenever they came up to him and said, hey, we want to make a live-action film of your, of, uh, your story, Rurouni Kenshin... He jumped for it. He's like, okay, yeah, no, let's do it. I've been waiting for this for a long time. But whenever he actually got involved with it, he was only involved in the script writing phase for the movie. And he himself wrote the first half of the film, and then he oversaw the rest of the movie being written in the script phase, by numerous other writers and would pretty much say like, okay, yeah, I like that or I don't like that, change this. You know, he pretty much just oversaw everything. So the first half of the movie, 
is his. He wrote it and all of that. The second half was written by other people. And whenever it was handed in, when the screenplay was completely done, he was also told that the script could change at any time based solely upon the director's discretion. So if the director wanted to change anything, he had the power to do it. And Nobuhiro was basically just going to have to sit there and deal with it. I don't know exactly what changes were made. I don't know if any changes were made. But all I know is that it has been officially stated that the creator of Ruroni Kenshin, Nobuhiro Watsuki, was, quote, by and large, pleased with the film, end quote. So, you know, that's, that's about the best stamp of approval that, <laughs> that the movie could have gotten. That the creator of the franchise says that he was very, very pleased with the film. And I don't know very many people that's not pleased with the film, to be honest with you. It's a great movie. Um, if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen the anime or read the manga, I would highly recommend watching the anime or reading the manga first. Because there are things, they cram a lot of stuff into the movie. A lot of characters are in there, you know, and they've only got like two hours to work with and they cram a lot of stuff in there. I'm not saying that it hurts the film, but for someone that's just going in completely 100% green, they're not really going to know the history of certain characters, the backstory of certain characters. They're not going to know, you know, the impact of certain characters showing up and interacting with Kenshin when they do and all of that. So if you haven't had anything to do with Kenshin, I would absolutely recommend going and watching the anime or reading the manga before watching this movie. Which, if you do want to watch the anime, I believe at the time of this recording, the anime is available both on HBO Max and Hulu. So, or you can just do like I did, get the physical copy, buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, you know, and go with it from there. So, <clears throat> the movie was a massive success over in Japan, made a good deal amount of money, and immediately they were basically like, we're going to release this movie internationally. Like, because Kenshin is a very popular franchise worldwide, and they just knew that the film was also going to do good overseas. The film did not get released here in the United States until November 1st, 2016. The movie was released in Japan in 2012. So, you can imagine what myself and other fans of the franchise were going through that were, we wanted to watch this movie. We were so dead set on wanting to watch this movie and we had to wait four years for it to actually come over here so that we could watch it. And boy, I tell you, that was one of the, that was, that was a long four years. I, I, I had to have checked online every month every other month at the latest, seeing is there any word whatsoever about when this show is coming over here to the States? When are they doing an official release and all of that? And it just, it took forever. But whenever it finally came out, the day it was released, I went to Walmart and I bought it. 
um, you know, after I got home from work that day because I would stop in Walmart early in the mornings uh, to get a few things whenever there was no hardly nobody there, and then I would go to work. So as soon as I got home from work, I mean, I don't even think I got out of my work uniform. I just grabbed the movie, plugged it into the DVD player, sat down and started watching. And I've loved it ever since. Like, it's just, it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. Now, spoilers moving forward. If you have not, you know, watched the movie or watched the anime or anything like that, I'm just going to talk about a few spoilers real quick. There are a few changes that were made for the live action film that was, you know, just, well, it was in the manga, but it wasn't in the uh, live action film because, you know, naturally they're trying to shove <clears throat> this, <clears throat> this film would end up being the first of a trilogy and to try and shove like 60 something episodes into three films, they're going to have to, you know, change some things. They're going to have to get rid of some characters, combine some characters, you know, stuff like that. And that happened with this movie, but overall, I don't think it hurt the movie in the slightest. One of the <clears throat> biggest changes that they made that I have zero problems with is <clears throat> in the anime, the original imposter that is going around committing crimes and all that and is claiming to be Batosai the Manslayer is a character by the name of Hiruma Gohei. Now, he's not in this movie. Like, he's if he is in the movie, I didn't know it was him. But to my knowledge, he is not in this film. Instead, they make that character or the actions of that character fall to another um another manslayer, my personal favorite villain from the entire franchise, all seasons combined. The character by the name of Jene. Now, he's the imposter in the movie. And I'll get more to him here in a second. But he was phenomenal in this movie. So, you know, in the anime, it was Hiruma Gohei, who was the imposter pretending to be Batosai the Manslayer. But in the movie, it was just simply uh, the Manslayer Jene. Now, another uh, change that was made was the character of Sonosuke, who basically ends up becoming Kenshin's right-hand man in the anime. In the anime, pretty much how they meet, how they go about, was he makes a deal that he is going to fight Kenshin and try and defeat him. He fights Kenshin, and he gets absolutely wrecked. His weapon gets destroyed, and <clears throat> this happens pretty early on in the series. I have not seen the series in quite some time, but I believe it's like episode two or episode three that that happens. But long before in the anime or in the movie, Kenshin even meets the character of Jene or Jene or the character of Saito. That's pretty much what happens in the anime. Now, in the movie... He meets Kenshin in prison because Kenshin gets locked up and uh, Sonosuke is already there. And then that's where they, they don't officially meet. Like they don't really exchange words or anything. 
but he sees him. And then later on, he gets out. He challenges him to a fight. They pretty much fight like <clears throat> there's no winner or loser, so I guess you can call it a draw. But it's not hard to figure out that if the fight had continued, Kenshin was absolutely going to come out on top because he was not taking the fight very seriously at all. And so they pretty much just decide, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. And then Sonosuke just pops back up here and there, and he ends up getting, uh, beginning a friendship with Kenshin, and they end up helping each other during the big final battle of the movie, which, by the way, the final, the climax of the movie, the fight scene, like, is just, uh, oh, man. <laughs> it's like, it's it's some of the best that's out there. I love it. Another character that got really, you know, there was a lot of differences done was the character of Saito. Now, in the anime, he first meets Kenshin in the anime. There is a history between the two characters that that happened during the war. But what we see in the anime, the first, like, official meeting that Saito has with Kenshin is that he shows up to warn him about the villain by the name of Shishio. That will end up being the villain of the second and third live-action movies that they did. And he was the main villain of the Kyoto arc. That's whenever Saito meets Kenshin in the anime. In the movie, he also meets him in prison. He is the police officer that, you know, lets him out and all of that. At the beginning of the movie, we see some scenes to where they do know each other. We see a little bit of flashbacks, like, to their time during the war. So Saito definitely has some unfinished business with Kenshin, and he wants more of him. You know, he, he just, he wants to fight him. Simple as that. And so that was pretty much some of the main differences uh, between some of the more well-known characters in the movie versus how they appeared in the anime. Now, <clears throat> Kenshin is based, like I mentioned uh, before, I was going to go back to talking about this, Kenshin uh, is based on a Hirokiri, which is a manslayer. He's based on an actual Hirokiri by the name of Kawakami Gensai. Now, there's not a whole lot of similarities between the two, but he is, he is based on him. Now, the character of Janae. Like I said just a little while ago, Janae, while he has a very brief appearance in the anime, he is, he has always been, ever since the first time I saw his arc in the anime, he has been my favorite villain of the entire series. I don't know why. I just, I like the way he is. I like that he's a little unhinged. I like, you know, his style, the way that he looks, his fighting ability, and all that kind of stuff. The creator himself credits Janae with being the only character in the entire show to have truly beaten Kenshin at one point. That's the only character that the creator gives that credit to. So that should let you know just how good Janae is. Like that he's able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kenshin. Because in the anime, a little bit in the movie, but more in the anime, Kenshin is not your average swordsman like his his drawing technique that he does with his sword is already quoted at being godlike speed and just some of the things that he does is just downright superhuman 
Like he can jump, you know, 30, 40 feet in the air. Sometimes he does a strike with his sword and he hits, you know, five or six people at a time and they all go flying like 10 to 15 foot back from him. So, you know, like, does he have super strength? Um, or is it just the style that they decided to go to go with, with the show or whatever? So, you know, Kenshin is definitely well above ordinary. And the fact that Janae is able to go toe to toe with him and pretty much be the first character in the show that is an example of Kenshin's past coming back to haunt him. Like, like, ah, uh, man, it's just, I, I know I just got tongue twisted there, guys, but I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I, I really, I really don't have enough words to express how awesome the character of Janae is and how good he is for being able to go toe to toe with Kenshin like he did. Now in the movie, he is played by a man by the name of Koji Kikawa. And he is also based on an actual Hirokiri. And the Hirokiri that he is based on is the, um, the warrior Okada Izo. <clears throat> now, the film did well enough to where naturally, you know, they wanted to do some series... I mean, a series of movies, not just that one film. And we got it. <laughs> we got more movies. Uh, the next movie that came out, it was released in 2014, and it was called Kyoto Inferno. Uh, the next movie that came out was called The Legend Ends. It was also released in 2014. And then it would be years later to where just this year, at the time of this recording, 2020, I mean, 2021... Uh, the final came out, which the final is based on the final arc that was done in the manga and anime. And then they wrapped it all up with another film that came out in 2021 titled The Beginning, which is Kenshin's origin. It shows how he becomes an assassin, what he does while he is an assassin, how he pretty much got to got the reputation that he has the beginning is basically an adaptation of the anime film that was done based on Kenshin called Trust and Betrayal which is it's basically just a prequel to the uh anime anime show and by the way for those of you that would be wondering Trust and Betrayal I consider to be easily in my top 3 best and favorite anime films of all time so all right guys that pretty much does it for kaiju carnage presents ruroni kenshin i really wish i had more information to give you guys i know it kind of sounded sporadic at times like i was just kind of spitting some stuff out but like i said there wasn't a whole lot of production information out there on this movie i wish that there was but you know that's just how it goes sometimes so all righty guys it is Wednesday. In just a few days, this Saturday, I will be going back to my kaiju-themed episodes. And the episode that I'm... Or the subject that I'm picking for this week's Kaiju Carnage is the novelization to the 1933 film King Kong. 
Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about the differences pretty much that's in the book versus what we got with the movie and all that kind of stuff. There's a few differences that were made, but I'm also going to talk about it for a very specific reason. I have a big announcement that I'm going to make, and it concerns the novelization. I'm not going to announce it now. You'll just have to tune in for um, uh, the new episode in order to, you know, check that out. But, yeah, it's a big announcement. It's very ambitious on my part. I can't wait to uh, to get to it. I can't wait to talk about it and everything because I've talked to you guys before. I love reading novelizations to movies because it just... It adds more detail. It gives you different viewpoints from what we actually got in the movie. And so anytime I love, watch, and love a movie, I definitely try to get to the novelization at some point. And the, it took me a long time to get to this <laughs> to this one, to the uh, one for 1933 King Kong. But I eventually did get to it. Um, I very much enjoyed it. It is dated. I will go ahead and tell you that. The science... The biology is very incorrect on um, a lot of different things in there. But, you know, they was going off what they knew at the time in the 30s. So, you know, it is what it is. But, all right, guys. So, just tune in this Saturday in just a few days. You'll be able to um, <clears throat> hear what I've got to say about the novelization to the 1933 King Kong film. So, alrighty guys, thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I would not do this without you. You guys are awesome. Thank you once again for all of the messages. Uh, beginning with the next episode, I'm going to uh, give some shout-outs and everything to some individuals, as well as to some of my countries that uh, have increased their listenings, so or their listens, really. Um... You know, I'm just going to give a few shout-outs and everything. Might make a few other announcements just because, you know, the fact that it is on the novelization as well as doing my big announcement is probably going to be a pretty short episode. So I'll just do another few announcements here and there uh, on this next episode in two or three days. So, alrighty, guys. Thank you once again. We'll catch you all next time. This is Kyle the Kaiju Guy signing out. <laughs>